Welcome to Movie Ministry. We talk pop culture, entertainment, and how it relates to the teachings of Jesus. Whether movies, TV, or streaming, we talk uh, about it. My name is Aris Buckner. I'm a Christian husband, father, pastor, designer, and nerd. And the title for today is about The Incredibles. You should have maybe saw the graphic if you're watching on YouTube or saw the titling if you are listening on your podcast service or provider. Um, you know, this, uh, like I mentioned before in previous podcasts, this is going to be mad spoiler discussion and a little different. It's not your average spoiler discussion. Uh, we're going to break down the movie or whatever topic uh, or media entertainment that we go over. We break it down in four areas. And the reason why this is not your average movie spoiler discussion, if you haven't you know, heard any of the previous episodes, it has a religious bent to it, a Christian uh, bent to it. I mean, filtering it through Christianity. And that's what makes it different. And I hope you stick around if you're not a Christian. And, and this is a way, kind of a, a bridge to understanding Christianity more. Oh, please stick around. This, it, this is uh, for you as well, uh, as well as for those who practice the Christian faith. But getting back to what I was talking about, we break it down in four areas, which is first impressions, my overall thoughts, forbidden fruit, something that appears good until you take a bite of it and realize, like in Adam and Eve's case in Genesis uh, 1 or Genesis 2, uh, that was a bad idea. Um, the next we talk about a come to Jesus moment. This is the turning point, the turn of the podcast where we talk about, you know, what would Jesus say? What what does the Bible teach about this? And then lastly, revelation. You know, what did I learn looking back on all of the things that we've gone through? What did I learn? So let's uh, let's hop in. And, uh, you know, be, before we, we get into those areas, I'd like to, to give kind of an overall synopsis of uh, the movie uh, of The Incredibles. And it was incredible, right? It's all in the name. Um, I really, really love this movie, but we'll, we'll get more into it. But I want to give the overall uh, synopsis for those who haven't seen the movie in a while, uh, and it's been some time, and they want to, you know, get a refresher. This is definitely a great uh, time for that as I go through. Talk about the different, you know, characters, the plots, points uh, in it to just get refresher your memory, especially as we, you know, talk more about um, breaking down different aspects of, of each, um, you know, part uh, in, in those those things. So in 2004, the movie was released, and um, it's by Pixar. Uh, I believe at the time they, there was Disney Pixar. I think they merged. Maybe it had been later. But put on, uh, produced by Pixar and awesome director Brad Bird, who did uh, Iron Giant, was one of my all-time favorite kind of cartoon movies. It's just movies in general. And Brad Bird's is great, and, and he had helmed this. But the overall synopsis, you have the main character, Bob Parr, uh, and the other main character, Helen Parr, his wife. But Bob Parr is a.k.a. Mr. Incredible, and Helen Parr is a.k.a. Elastigirl. And they are the world's greatest and famous crime-fighting superheroes in Metroville, which is the most generic name for a city uh, ever. Uh, it's the common trope in, in these movies, you know, like Metropolis uh, for Superman's case. But um, public opinion turns on them against the superheroes, not just them, but for all superheroes, due to the collateral damage caused by their crime fighting. And that's specifically 
uh, Mr. Incredible Bob's uh, crime fighting had some collateral damage. They ended up getting sued, which which was a, kind of a, um, I don't know, pub, you know, because of that lawsuit set a precedent for all superheroes to go into hiding, basically. You know, after several of these lawsuits, the government initiates the superhero relocation program, which forces which they call the superhero supers into permanent uh, hiding to um, keep their secret identities, um, you know, start to live by the secret identities and, and, and push aside their heroics and abandon their superhero exploits. You know, 15 years later, the movie picks up with living in this new world where there are no superheroes um, and then force adopt civilian identities and again, retreat into their lives. You find, Bob Parr, you know, former Mr. Incredible, living this mundane life, normal life uh, with his family, uh, with his wife, Helen, and his three kids, Violet, Dash, and Jack-Jack. Um, again, you know, who all have superpowers, but they're forced to not show them. And, and Mr. Incredible morphs into this, into the dad bod, right? Uh, it's like, uh, you know, get old and you have this, this nasty dad bod. And that's where you find him. He's working a white collar job basically looks like the DMV in this mundane um, suburban lifestyle. And, but, you know, together with his best friend, Lucius, who is played by Samuel Jackson, the great Samuel Jackson, you could, his voice is so iconic. Um, who's formerly known as Frozone. He was also a superhero previous in previous life. Um, they occasionally relive the glory days by moonlighting as vigilantes, you know, uh, fighting crime secretly, um, in this new world because their, you know, superhero has been basically outlawed. You know, one day at work, Bob supervisor prevents him from stopping a mugging, uh, that's happening, uh, in, in an office meeting and Bob loses his temper and basically Vader chokes his boss, uh, and resulting in Bob's dismissal. You know, Bob returns home, um, and, and has to reconcile, uh, his actions because after every time we, we realize that, Bob has had more of these incidents. And after every time you have these incidents, he has to be, again, to pick up and relocate with his family because of his actions. Um, and, and it just causes heartache. The kids have to, you know, be pulled out of school to, to live in, in a new um, home, new community, new place. It's almost like what military families go through and having to reset and, 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 and start over again, basically. And it's really hard on the family. So he's He's conflicted. He comes home, doesn't know how to break the news to his family about it. Um, but while he's doing that, he receives a video message from a woman called Mirage. <laughs> hint, hint, a story hint there that uh, is not all what it seems. He should have got that point in the name. But uh, basically gives him a pain mission to destroy this military robot uh, called the Omnidroid and off to some remote island. So Bob really forced to in a corner it really doesn't have a lot of choices so he goes and takes this mission and defeats this uh robot which uh is really cool it's both it's both uh exhilarating because it's an adventure that he wants to go on but also pays him and so he's able to get some income and he ends up realizing that um they want to keep him and basically in research and development uh to to keep him fighting this this robot, they end up paying him uh, a higher pay that he was receiving. He gets to go on these adventures, and it gives him motivation for the first time since fighting crime. And so he goes off, 
starts training basically his version of planet fitness uh in the in the navy yard uh with the, or more of the train yard um you know he's, he's lifting trains and and pulling you know chains and these huge uh you know vehicles and, and transportation vehicles and it's helping him get back into shape uh and out of the dad bod um now why he's doing these fighting he ends up finding a tear in a super suit that uh, leads him to uh his costume designer edna mode who's by far one of my favorite characters in the movie uh for her to, to kind of fix a suit but she ends up giving him a whole new suit and it, it kind of she gets excited but assuming that helen bob's wife knows about all of this and and bob's exploits that uh, she ends up you know designing more suits for the family and then later on in the film when helen reaches out to her to visit to talk and 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 confide in her about because she doesn't know what bob's doing edna ends up revealing bob's secret to to helen which kind of sets the the story into a whole different set of a, a new gear and 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 other plots uh, unveiling here in the story so uh getting back to bob's uh plot line here you know he sets out for the secret island once again um but discovers that mirage is working for buddy pine who was um this disaffected former fan that we see earlier in in the film and now he's become basically a super villain and um and and has been tricking bob this whole time because he's been testing bob um to perfect his robot the, the omni droid and and buddy pine's new name is syndrome and you know just the totally tropes on 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 the villains in the movie which i really love like there's a lot of things that they play on the tropes of the superhero movie or genre but then there's a lot of things that they subvert uh, in it so bob is now being pursued by syndrome uh this you know former uh fanboy who's now turned villain and and so he's trying to escape him and so he escapes in this cave basically and finds the remains and skeletal remains of gazer beam um and we find out earlier in the film that they're looking for gazer beam and so it's cool that the movie pays off in these different um points with within the film and so him finding gazer beam it and it he uncovers this whole uh mission project chronos that syndrome's been planning for years within this 15 year span to really eliminate superheroes and and for him to be the lone superhero and to to use omnidroid that he controls to not only kill off the superheroes but he comes into the scene and defeats omnidroid because he controls it and and thus ascending him to the throne and or, or him to the spotlight so to so to speak of being the superhero that saves the day ultimately and then he wants to franchise out uh his powers because because it's not really natural superhero powers it's all from technology and he wants to franchise that out so everybody can become a superhero again rendering superheroes useless in this new world so getting back to the storyline with helen when she visits edna edna reveals bob's secret um and then gives helen this um tracking beacon that's that's attached to all of the suits and and helen initiates and activates this beacon which can go into bob's storyline reveals his location in uh the island and and then he gets captured by syndrome because of the beacon helen uh initiates and so um helen knowing that bob 
has been lying to her this whole time and he's really somewhere else. She's suspecting that he's cheating on her. And, and so she's looking to confront him, not knowing that, that, you know, Bob is not cheating on her. He, well, he is not, not with a woman, but with his own passions to be a, a superhero. Uh, you know, so there's some, some play on that. But so, um, lo and behold, she doesn't know that. So she goes out to, to confront him on it, on this mission. And while she's going out on this private plane, um, her other two kids, uh, Violet and Dash, um, sneaks on, stowaway onto the plane, leaving Jack-Jack with the babysitter back home. And then Helen and the kids have to infiltrate the base to discover uh, Syndrome's grand plan and to destroy Metroville. The Incredibles all together escape, and they all have their suits uh, from Edna. They escape and, um, and with Mirage's help. And along, uh, so they escape to go back to Metroville along with Lucia's teams up, fights the Omnidroid, defeat it, defeats the robot. They return home to find Syndrome has now has kidnapped Jack-Jack uh, and uh, is looking to escape with him uh, to possibly groom him for, uh, you know, villain work. Um, but that, you know, doesn't work out because uh, Syndrome quickly realizes as Jack-Jack hulks out to this crazy, like his superheroes, his powers are revealed in, in a funny and comedic way. Um, freaks out uh, Syndrome, who drops Jack-Jack in midair. Um, Helen catches him, uh, and uh, then Bob throws a car, destroys uh, Syndrome's plane that sucks him into the turbine uh, because of his cape, which pays off an earlier joke that Edna talks about in terms of capes are terrible for superheroes because uh, they end up uh, in eventually killing them. And so they plays off that joke, which is really cool. Uh, so they save the day, and then they have this kind of end uh, scene with them uh, now as a family fighting crime and whatnot and roll credits. And so that is the overview of the, um, you know, uh, movie at this point. So hopefully you're caught up with that. And now I want to try to hop into uh, just the other aspects and breaking this down in those four uh, areas. So in those four areas, the first one we start off with is first impression. So, man, the, the movie, hopefully, as you can tell, as I'm explaining, it's really awesome. I, I love uh, this movie. I it is um, for me one of those movies that uh, it's just fantastic. And in many ways, uh, as you go through uh, the movie and, and really you get this idea uh, that 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 I'll dive into for me as a Christian, relating a lot to the superhero's struggle and and fight with, with the world, their powers, how much do I reveal, how much do I get into it, all, all of those things, that, that there's this, this, this struggle of identity in that, and, and this is what who I am, but, but if I, you know, express this in terms of helping others, it's not looked great upon 
um, society. And we'll get into to more of that. But I just thought like, man, there's the idea of just a world of superheroes, uh, especially them thriving in, in kind of this, even the um, time frame of the film is kind of like this American golden age, kind of post-World War II, you know, feel to it. And, and you know, you know, good old America uh, feel to it. And, and, and you, you kind of see that. And, and I'm, I'm sure that came from Brad Bird's upbringing. Um, you know, older guy, I'm sure he he wanted to picture uh, those times and his his childhood in, in that way. But, you know, things change, though, um, in this world, you know, as uh, one of the survivors can go back to why the Supers went to this relocation program. One of the survivors ended up suing, like I mentioned earlier, all the super superheroes and what i love about this is that um in one of those scenes the at the trial the survivor says you know um like mr incredible said he should be grateful that i saved you and i saved your life and and so the survivor who's suing uh mr incredible that that sets off a chain reaction of all these lawsuits he says you didn't save my life you ruined my death and that's such a profound quote, right? And, and again, so much of my impression, like I said, watching this, I related to a lot of my Christianity and where we are now. And, and if you saw the title of, of the podcast or title card on the YouTube, it's this idea of, of the Incredibles in this post-Christian age, which, you know, you had, you know, um, modern age, post-modern age, and then what philosophers or or or, you know, Scholars are saying that we're in a post-Christian age now, where Christianity is completely um, tossed off, primarily in the West. It's not for most of the world, but primarily in the West. And and, and that's how, how I feel about that. Like, to try to save somebody today, um, you know, back then may have seemed noble, especially if you grew up in a society that's a Christian society. It, it would be invited, um, or, or at least a society that that holds the Bible in some sort of high regard uh, would be invited, but not in this society. It's, it's, you're not saving someone, you're ruining, ruining their death, that, that they don't see you engaging in their lives as, as, as a, as a noble gesture is actually offensive for you to, you know, proselytize your faith, to go out and, and advertise your faith. It's almost seen as, you know, propaganda. Like, it's like, how dare you, you know, keep your stuff and your faith and, and all that you believe to the private, you know, recesses of your life. Um, almost like the Hero uh, Relocation Act, right? Um, asking, and it's not just for Christianity, for, but really a lot of people of, of faith to, to live quietly and anonymously in our world. Uh, don't um, parade your beliefs around, which, which again, as a Christian, as a pastor, I do find it hypocritical, um, in many ways in our society where certain groups can be elevated, uh, above Christianity. Christianity, I feel, gets slammed a lot and not as respected, um, unless, unless they're really progressive, unless, unless, unless we mimic much of what culture, uh, does. And, and for examples, I think with Islam, I think Islam is pretty um, upfront about convictions and life and practices and, and um, you know, beliefs and restraints. And, and, I, and I feel like 
is, is really stronger stance than Christianity can make at times. But I think if when Christianity makes those same stance, it's seen as, as being uh, very uh, nationalistic or, or, or brute and rash. Uh, and again, a lot of it has to do with these fringe, um, ultra-conservative groups uh, within Christianity that, that have tied themselves to politics. We'll talk about that later. Um, that, that is very warranted. I do think there are, are Christian groups out there that are, and I'm using air quotes, you can't really see me, that go under the banner of Christianity, but really um, they're under this kind of weird political agenda that they're pushing um, that's not really Christian at all. Uh, and then you find someone on, on the total opposite end of the spectrum. Again, we'll, we'll really tackle a lot of that that later and, and some of the other parts of, of Forbidden Fruit that are so progressive that completely throw off all, all core values and, and, and teachings, biblical teachings of the Bible. But, but, but my first impression when I saw this, I thought the Hero Relocation Act is, is right up. It's so relatable to how I feel as a Christian in our world right now in 2020 and, and feeling that, that pull to, uh, from society to push my faith to my personal and, and lifestyle and private life and, and not so much in the, in the public forum. Again, like I said, there, there's reasons for that. Um, you know, <laughs> like I mentioned, we'll get into it more, but, but, but I, that's all I'll say right now. You know, and this causes strife in the family. You know, as you watch the film, um, you see this idea uh, at, at the dinner table scene, which is a great scene of um, Helen and Bob going back and forth because uh, Dash um, was using his powers, you know, really openly, but but in a very secret way. They ended up getting him in trouble by his teacher. Um, he ended up putting an attack on the teacher's seat because he didn't like the teacher and the teacher sat on it. And obviously it, it, it you know, um, alarmed him and, and he's accusing Dash of some, you know, strange things. He doesn't know how he's doing it, but he's doing it. And his teacher's right. You know, Dash, again, he doesn't know he's a superhero, but his Dash is doing these kind of, um, you know, trickery and, and, and uh, you know, being kind of the, this, you know, uh, you know, bad kid in, in a sense. And so th- this is comes up in the kind of family dinner scene, and, and they're just going back and forth about, you know, using his powers, being being proud of, about having powers and, and not hiding them, but but we got to hide them. And, and they're going back and forth like it's causing a lot of stress of why why we, we're blessed with these things, these powers and abilities, but we cannot use them. And it leads to Bob breaking the plate. He gets frustrated, um, you know, again, for all of this. And and because they're not using his powers, you know, going back to Dash's situation at, at school, Dash is now just using these gifts for wrong reasons and, and for jokes and, and laughs in the classroom. Like it's getting to places that, that, that are harming them. You know, Violet, the daughter, feels, um, you know, like like she can't be who she is. And she literally feels invisible. And that's what, kind of one of her powers. Um, and she feels like, like she wants to be normal and that, that no one understands that in, the, in this house. And, and I think that, that that's a lot of times what, what every kid can feel, especially if they grow up in a Christian home and especially they grow up in, like my kids are going to be growing up in not only a Christian home, but grow up as preacher's kids. And, and, I, and I think that there's an aspect that, again, if you grew up as a PK, uh, you, you, you feel this. You feel this pressure of, of like, man, like I've got so much pressure 
of having this ability and powers and to live up to something, but I can't. And I don't want to, I just want to be normal. I don't want to have these things tied to me. And then I do feel sorry for my kids in many ways because they didn't ask to be uh, grown up in homes. Now, I mean, in my opinion, it's, they'll learn to value that and how much has really helped our family, um, the connection and and unity of our family. They really are going to appreciate this as they get older but it's still nonetheless hard to grow up in, into something or a faith or group or belief or whatever that you didn't choose and you're along for the ride. And and again, some families have done that well and other families have horribly messed that up and it really pushed their children away from uh, the faith. And we talk about this again. It, that's kind of a, a theme about the gifts and hiding gifts and hiding your abilities. Um, you know, that, that's another point that, that stood out to me when I, when I first saw it is, is, you know, not hiding the gifts and, and feeling this need to, to use them. We see that in some of the scenes with Lucius and, and Bob in the beginning, moonlighting again as vigilantes trying to stop crime, which again, it, it, you know, th- there's, you know, th- this, this, can just struggle and tug. I think, I think that, that Christians can feel today with sharing the faith, not sharing the faith workplace. How do you do it? Um, wanting to help people and but not interfering in, in their core values and and tiptoeing through you know their lives it, it, it's such a hiding it you know um, not revealing who you are you know at work uh, hey you're a Christian and what that all that that entails again <laughs> like I talked about that it's tough because there's so much weighted in that word from people's experiences and growing up and whatnot, bad experiences, or even what our politics are saying and, and you being thrown into this this pool of people. You're like, that's not who I am, but it's hard to define all of that once people hear the word Christian, right? So so again, a lot you can relate to, a lot I relate to when I watch when I watch the, the film. Again, you know, as we talked about in the in the synopsis, this moonlighting leads to to more strife, more arguments in the family, um, you know, and, and you get this pressure from Helen um, when, you know, when you watch the, the film of being worried about their cover being blown, that it's hard to uproot and build again uh, and build a community again, to build relationships and friendships again. And, and that's a true, that's a true fear, right? Um, that's something that I feel and, and engage with uh, in my everyday life now, like, you know, again, being a pastor, that carries a lot of weight. When I tell someone I'm a pastor, do you know how, I mean, that, that carries a lot of weight and how people feel and view me um, as a person, my neighbors. And and when I let them know who I am, part of them will feel like, oh, I'm, I'm judging them. And they try to be on their, their best behavior. You know, even my family can be that way where my, you know, my brothers are not, uh, they wouldn't consider themselves Christian. And, and, you know, we're hanging out and they, they want to get a drink or whatever. Then they, they feel embarrassed or, or you know, one of our brothers, um, he smokes. And, and so, you know, he's smoking and, and, and he's, oh, man, you know, and, and it, this is judgment that they that they feel. Again, a lot of times from what society can portray. And I'm like, hey, dude, it's your life. I mean, I have I have my opinions about these things. But nonetheless, this is your life. Don't feel like you've got to be a certain way around me. Now, I respect me in certain areas like I don't want to be around if you're smoking or, or doing things that that I feel uh, for my faith affects me um, I will remove myself or go somewhere else or or out of respect um, to honor those things when you're you know when we're together but you know hey what you do with your life what you do with your life you you haven't chose to 
follow Christ. And so that's different if you did and you are living and, and doing these things. And that's a conversation we need to have and 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 in a Bible study we need to work out scripturally um to to be what God what God desires of our lives and and living our lives through the teachings of Jesus. And so that's a separate conversation. But but if you're not a Christian, you know, that they you know that that those decisions that, that you that you make um at the end of the day and it, and it doesn't concern me, right? I care and I love and I have my own opinions, but that doesn't concern me. That is your life. That's something that you had to answer to God in the end. But but there is this struggle about that of this blown cover and and it could be a temptation at times. It's definitely for me, whether if I'm around family or if I'm at the workplace or, or I'm out in public or or I'm at, you know, my son's soccer game or football game that that, you know, blowing the cover of who I am and as a pastor. Now I don't I don't shy away from that. I I let people know. But but there's that temptation for me of like, man, once I let people know who I am, people change. When I walk in a room, um, and this is in the church, out of the church, right? When I walk in a room, even the members, they change because now my position, who I am, brings a certain aura. Uh, and again, it, it, most of you don't know who I am. I'm not a person who's belligerent or in those things. I don't, I don't carry myself as this author, authoritarian or, or anything like that. You can ask people, but, but nonetheless, it still brings an aura. I'm a pastor. And, and, and again, and that's in the church, outside the church, a Christian and a pastor just brings a certain aura. You step into the room, people change. And so it's hard and a temptation to not blow cover, right? That struggle is very real. Um, again, both in society and even in the church. You know, but, but you know, as, as we see some of those things that stood out to me, it's very emasculating, you know, and watching that and seeing Bob at his job and kind of early on in the film, feeling like the life is being sucked out of him and that um, he can't be, um, he can't live out the calling that he's been given, and and he's and he's forced into this mundane style of life. And we'll talk a little bit about that later in Forbidden Fruit. But again, that, that's so relatable to how I can feel in my faith and who I am, and and that I don't want to plug in and kind of do what everybody's doing. Right? Matthew seven talks a lot about that and how the broad the road that leads to you know, destruction in a sense that leads to this life that's just not what God desires for us. And and, and small is the path that leads to eternal life. And it's hard, man. It's an off-beaten path. It means that no one really walks it. And it's going to take struggle. It's going to take, it's almost like I imagine going on, on this trail that it hasn't been worn in as much. And so you're being scraped by bushes and hit by twigs and branches and you're and you're trying to crawl through small crawl plate you know spaces to get out and and you know maybe it's a narrow path and and you know if you're not careful you can fall right uh, down the hill like it, it's it's living a life of a christian is not normal <laughs> and so as much as being again I'm using air quotes we live in a christian nation this is a post-christian age whether you know it or not and again in, in the Show notes and links. I'll, I'll link some some great books that talks about this. We live in a post-Christian age um, that has a huge swath and elements of post-modernism that uh, basically is what what I believe and hold is true is true for me. Like that's that's the general feeling, and in and in turn, people become their own gods, determining what's true and what's not. 
And it's hard uh, to come into that type of society and, and, and those relationships and in bringing a, an objective moral truth. We talked about that um, a couple uh, episodes ago, uh, or our last episode with um, the Winter Soldier, Falcon Winter Soldier. It's hard. It's hard to engage with people. It's very offensive. And so, again, our, our choices at times, it seems, as a Christian, is to, you know, totally go against the the stream and and be ostracized or or fade into um oblivion <laughs> into the private privacy of our lives with this hidden faith um that doesn't help anybody right um and i don't want to be that i don't want to be you know bob you know working at the dmv <laughs> and and you know mundane you know lack of adventure no i don't want to do that but that's the thing that stood out to me um, and then ultimately, you know, our faith does have consequences. Like I said, that we can't hide that, that, you know, being a Christian is, is, is tough. And, and Jesus talked about many times in scriptures in like Matthew 10, 37, 39, like, Hey man, you, you, you gotta be willing or Luke 9, 23, 26, you gotta be willing to stand for me. You gotta be willing to lose your life in order to find it. You gotta, you gotta be willing to, to give up, uh, these relationships and family if you want to be worthy of me, because he knew how hard it would be that uh, they're going to have consequences to being uh, the calling of a Christian, again, i.e. the superhero. It's going to have consequences, whether we like or not. And we'll, we'll get into a little bit about that more. But but that's kind of my, my first impressions. There's a lot that, you know, when I watched it um, back in 04, but even revisiting it lately for, for this podcast, um, man, it was, it's, it's so on point on so many levels for me and my faith and as a Christian. And, and hopefully you can relate to as well. But man, that, that, that's so. So again, thinking back, watching it, oh, four, man, it, I was it was one of my favorite movies in many ways. Like it just as a general movie is awesome. But even when I related to my faith, uh, kind of that, you know, again, in the vein of movie ministry, I just thought there was so much depth and so much more to open up about how I felt about my Christianity and how I need to really take it out to the public a lot more because people need it as, as well. We'll talk later. But let's go to our next part in. And talking about the forbidden fruit and what what that means. about forbidden fruit and this section is is the idea of you biting into something or or thinking that something is going to be good but then quickly realize it's not what you expected the same again for adam and eve and the forbidden fruit that i thought when i watched this and even watch re-watching it now uh just a couple days ago i even you know right leading up to to this recording is that you know we can quickly give our trust to groups or causes that that show a little bit of interest in our values but that's very dangerous and i'll explain what that means you know like and i talked about this you know whether you know progressive or or conservative liberal conservative right there, there's these pools 
um, for the Christian. Uh, in the conservative standpoint, there's a lot of the these types of, you know, again, I'm using air quotes, conservative groups that seems like they're protecting Christian values, but really they're not. They're tied to larger political entities pushing things that are not of Jesus and going about certain ways and methods that are not of Jesus. And I'm not saying all of them, but there are some polarizing groups within uh, certain congregations and denominations and just certain political groups with, with the label um, Christian values or conservative values, and, and they're really not. Um, and they're morphed into more of identity politics, and it pushes Christianity in some really ugly places in the media. And um, I am appalled uh, at times and how, how that goes. But on the other side, the progressive side and liberal side is not off the hook either because the, the Christian can be pulled to say, hey, well, I don't want to go that way. That seems like, you know, really um, strange and, and um, uh, abrasive at times, alienating, um, you know, prejudice, you know, putting down on, on, that, on that side to the right. But then far on the left, you, you get this um, so pulled in, progressive, you know, much like the culture that you can't distinguish what's Christianity and the culture. And that pulls you in a place where you, you've, you've compromised so much, there is no faith. <laughs> there is no Christianity. Uh, there's just this weird amalgamation of it. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. But, but, but we got to be careful. That's the forbidden fruit. We think that these groups are going to help preserve or, or help Christianity, um, uh, whether taking you know, these, these strange stances or whether um, being all in and accepting. Um, we think that it's going to help Christianity and it's going to put Christianity on a platform where it needs to be. And it's the exact opposite. It actually, you know, ruins it. You know, and, and and you know, there's aspects of that with the the relocation act that that we can feel, but but I really see this in 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 how um, I want to center on how Bob feels about his um, superhero powers because I think that's the pull that we can find as Christians, right? Like, okay, I I I, I don't want to be in the mundane life. I don't want to be in hiding, right? And Bob feels that with his 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 you know his white collar job, right? The DMV type job. Um, you know, but but he can't live moonlighting as a vigilante, hiding um, all the time either. And because that there is this need for him, he jumps on this opportunity with Mirage, right? And I said we'll later connect that Mirage, which seems well, right? Like I said, it's the forbidden fruit. This Mirage, it seems well, and and Mirage is giving him this job, this adventure um, to use his gifts and powers. And, and Bob goes all in, like his desperation to, to use his superhero talents. He goes all in on this mystery job of fighting this robot on some random island that it turns out that he's literally working for the enemy. He, he's literally working for the villain of the movie. And he didn't do a background check. He didn't do a thorough examination. I'm reminded of like Acts 17 with the Bereans, right? Um, and, and I think verse 10, um, you know, the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians. And they examined 
um, everything that Paul said. Again, Paul is this big time evangelist of his day and and of their time, this church leader, and they didn't take his word for it. They wanted to take what he preached and what he said and then match it what, what scripture said. That is amazing. I am so glad that the Bible lifts them up as, as, as Christians to be modeled after. Because so many of us need to do that today. That we give ourselves to these groups, whether way far left or way far right, and we just give ourselves to them. We join these uh, different groups, whether on social media, and we post these things. We grab articles that we think are, are preaching our faith without doing our due diligence and fact-checking these things. We give ourselves to these entities thinking that we're, we're fighting for people's needs and, and we're being you know, progressive in these ways, and we're not. You know, There's no scrutiny biblically. There's no scrutiny. We blindly join uh, these organizations. We blindly join these causes or we blindly uh, hop on these platforms to express what we think is Christianity. And it's not. And and like Bob, we'll find ourselves literally working for the enemy <laughs> and what Satan is doing. And that's how Satan really plays all these things. And we've got to be careful uh, with this because that is a fruit and fruit that really um, sits uh, not only a sour taste in your own life, but in lives when people see you, your Christianity. And we think and we use, you know, single scriptures to try to make these points, to fight for these points, instead of really looking in context and studying context and not taking um, scriptures to serve as proof text or, you know, proof points to our values that we see, but really digging in context. And honestly, what we end up doing is we fall into syncretism. And and most of you may not know what that is, but it is a thought of that you see throughout by the Bible, that this is a thought and uh, really um, a teaching that, that or, or more of um, a belief that you see that basically syncretism is, is this, again, it's molding uh, beliefs together. And, and what we see in the Bible, primarily, it's, it's God plus adding something and adding um, more to it. And you see that in the scriptures a lot where people are all in for God, and, and especially in Exodus, but they, you know, the golden calf scenario, right? Um, sometimes we can think of, oh, man, they completely abandoned God. No, they didn't abandon God. One, they didn't know. There's a lot there. They didn't know who this God was. But they're like, okay, we'll take this God and, and this other God. Um, and because, you know, polytheism was was ran rampant throughout the world to believe in multiple gods was the the thought of the day to believe in one God. They actually were called atheists. And that's all the way leading to the first century is like to believe in one God. You've got to be atheists. And so, you know, God's people f- always are fighting this polytheistic culture that it led to them in this idea of syncretism. It led to them saying, okay, Yahweh is God, but also these other gods. And let's let's blend them together just to cover our bases or just to assimilate or just to be pulled in. And we've got to be careful with that. Again, going back to Forbidden Fruit, joining these causes and these groups and, and these different platforms, we'll find ourselves, you know, and in, fall into syncretism of Christianity taking and adding in. It's Jesus plus than. It's Jesus and this. It's Jesus and this political group. It's Jesus and this type of, of, of you know, societal norm. 
is Jesus and what this actor or public figure says. And then we end up blending the gospel with the world. And it it never works out, people. Let me just let you know that. It never works out. We have got to be vigilant, or vigilant, sorry, vigilant on, on what the Bible teaches and protecting what the world's trying to do. Because at the end of the day, it's Satan behind it. He is the king of the king of the air that the, the scriptures talk about. This is his kingdom here on earth. And that leads us to the next point, which is come to Jesus. You know, in the come to Jesus part here, um, really it comes down to our pride. Our pride will end up being our downfall of it. That's what that's why we are led to, or we see even in the scriptures, people led to. Uh, syncretism is because of their pride. It's because they know what's best. And and you can go back and study, um, you know, in, uh, I believe uh, it's First Samuel um, uh, with, um, with Saul, which is just so heartbreaking of how Saul uh, gets rejected as king. And you, and, and you do your own study on this. We're looking at some other scriptures, but do your own study on First Samuel uh, 15. And you, you really see why God rejects Saul uh, in this is because he was believing this syncretism type deal. I'll do what God says, but not fully. I'll, I'll cut out certain things, but not fully. I want to keep uh, I want to keep and add what I think is best. And that pride leads led to his downfall. And it's the same way for us. And specifically, a scripture I do want to read is in Proverbs 16, 18. Where, where this thought and, and this, this conviction and, and teaching comes from. It's pride, it says, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. And this idea that, that pride comes, then our downfall. And, and we've got to be careful with that. In our pride, thinking, hey, I know what's best. I think, I think Christianity needs to be more progressive in these ways. Or I think Christianity is ultra conservative in these ways. Instead of actually reading scripture. Instead of, and not just one scripture, but actually books, chapters, like just reading all of Mark's gospel, right? Reading all of, uh, of a letter uh, and Romans and really get what's going in the context. Instead of piecing things together from correspondence from here and there, it, it'd be almost like reading someone's emails and coming in mid-swing of the conversation. It takes time and effort to actually sit down and read scripture. So we get what really the teaching is instead of taking things out of context because that's the danger. And to me, that's the come to Jesus moment. We've got to realize that. There's a lot of pride. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, of, of self-interest. And a lot of that will lead you to bad things. And how we see in the movie, Bob's self-interest led him into trouble, not only jeopardizing his life, but now his family's life. All because he wants to use these gifts or he wants to express himself in a way that felt good. And, and, and again, that, that initial thought and feeling wasn't wrong. He, he, he had an amazing calling. He was a superhero. But how he used that and what eventually led him was wrong. And it's the same way for our Christianity. We've been called. If you're a Christian, you've been called to something amazing. If you're not a Christian, please reach out. You know, you, you know, reach out to me, reach out to someone. Um, I love to get you connected. I'd love to, you know, love to hear from you and, and your questions and why I'm a Christian. And that, that's that's something I can share with you and 
and, and, and at least go back and forth, whether in media or, or, or reach out or whatever, and share you with my, my, you know, how I became Christian and things about the nature. But for us that, that are Christian, you've been called to something incredible and for you to use that, right? But in the end, we can't, just because we've been at calling, we can't force or shoehorn what we think the direction of Christianity should go. No, we have the Bible <laughs> that teaches us. Now, now again, not everything is mentioned, but the Bible is an incredible guide to show us where Christianity should go into the unknown and to places where the, the apostles and, and, and the biblical writers didn't go through, right? There wasn't Twitter back then. There wasn't Facebook back then, right? There wasn't Instagram. So how do we take what's happening now on social media from what they had gone through? The Bible has very clear answers on that. And for us, I and mean, that's the whole idea of hermeneutics. Let's take what they taught and how do we apply that today? That's good biblical theology. How do we take what's being taught and having an accurate view of what's being taught and how do we apply it today versus us going off of a feeling, hey, I'm called, I think we got to go this way or, or I'm just going to go this way. No, we've got to be in our Bibles and make sure because pride comes before our downfall. And let's not be like what Mr. Incredible end up doing and jeopardizing his family. Now, in the movie's sake, he pulled it together. He brought his family together and started to make choices as a family standpoint instead of self-interest. And that leads me to the last part, which is Revelation. part of revelation um you know like like when when we don't take the self-interest uh uh at hand and we really trust god and, and that he knows what he's doing with this world he's not shocked about how the world is he knew it right the the biblical writers knew it you know second uh timothy three um one through seven really explains that like like the, the it's gonna be strange and, and rough times ahead and we can't have knee-jerk reactions, but we got to trust God in his word. Well, why? The biggest revelation, especially towards the end of the film, um, and there was hints of it in the beginning, but towards the end of the film, is that the world is looking for something incredible. Now, maybe, you know, they lost their way along the way with the, the Hero Re Relocation Act and not wanting to be saved and not wanting heroes. Well, that's not true. They are looking for something incredible. And I love this about the film because in, early in the film, when um, there's a scene when Bob comes back because he, he's basically been fired from his job and he parks his car and he gets out to the car and, and he lifts up the car because he's angry that, again, he's lost his job because he, he's used his powers, um, you know, uh, in the wrong way um, that, that got him in trouble. This kid is on his tricycle and and uh, and he's looking at him and, he, and, he, and he's like, oh, my goodness, like, like, oh, my gosh, this this, this is this is a superhero. And, it, and he puts, you know, Bob puts the car down and tries to play it off and, and the kid goes away. But then he ends up finding, running to the kid again. The kid's sitting there watching him. And he's like, why are you here? And he's like, I'm looking for something incredible. Like that, that, that's what he wants. And at the end of the film, he sees that and he's like, that was incredible, right? 
And I feel like the world is watching and looking for something incredible. And and even though it may say, it may, even though we may live in a post-Christian society, uh, a society that that wants to Christianity to leave the public arena or, or conform to what society wants, what what society thinks Christianity should look like, they're still looking for something incredible, and they're looking for it in places that they're not going to find anything incredible whether their own sexuality or their own jobs or careers or, or in, in these public figures, people are trying to look for something incredible. And, and what's and so meta about this, I feel like even in the genre of superhero movies, this is a genre that's taken off huge with all the Marvel movies, DC movies, and, and, and really everything has is, is got a superhero bent to it, which some people find it crazy. I don't find it crazy. I think I love it because I've always loved kind of superhero movies. Um, genre but we'll go through these waves and it, it won't be here forever like uh, back in the day westerns were it which i really love westerns now it's a superhero uh, you know phase and 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 you know that's the age of superheroes what we're living in and everything that we're watching most entertainment and television is about superheroes and in a lot of this podcast we're gonna be covering a lot of superhero movies from time to time because that's a lot of movies that, that's out there to see these adventures and i feel like i feel like society um you know subconsciously are telling us that they're looking for something incredible whether these movies that to help them unlock the adventure in their own lives and here's a revelation for me is that wow like if the world's looking for something incredible it's gonna be in christianity right and some people are like ah you know maybe this is this united christian may scoff at it hey hear me out like there's a reason why this has lasted for so long. There's a reason why there's always a topic of debate, particularly particularly in America. And, and again, America's more, and again, I'm using air quotes, a Christian nation, even though I don't, I wouldn't say that. I think we're in a post-Christian age. I think there's a lot of roots to that. Um, but quickly, it's going to be changing here in America. Not so much in most of the world. But, but you know, from box office and these things and, and looking at ratings on these TV shows and whatnot, and, you know, Marvel just crushed it with Endgame a couple years ago. People are looking for something incredible. And really, you're going to find it in Christianity. You're going to find it particularly in Jesus and his teachings. And, 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 and really, me as a Christian, as a pastor, I've got, to, I've got to show them that. I've got to show them something incredible. Not something bigoted. Not something prejudiced or racist. Not something so far um, compromising and, and on, a, on, on what society is saying that I lose my faith, because I'm trying to blend in with people in this, uh, you know, syncretic type of way. No, it's not going to be that. It's not going to be on the far left. It's not going to be on the far right. It's going to be in Jesus. It's going to be how he has led his life and how he loved. He showed people something incredible. How he humbled himself and hung out with the marginalized. You know, he was being progressive, but also preserving what has been taught and actually encouraging people to know the Torah. He was being conservative, right? Like, like you couldn't peg him from one group or another. And it wasn't like he was trying to live out progressive ideals or conservative ideals. He was just living out what God was telling him. And wherever God led him, that's where he went. And he wasn't driven by an ideology and some type of uh, agenda. And he was showing people something incredible. Again, by hanging out the marginalized, by speaking out and upholding the Torah, by hanging on conservative stance where it comes to relationships and marriage. I mean, he was showing people something incredible. 
And, you know, it, it wasn't all largely accepted, but is what we are to follow. And people are still waiting for something incredible. And we've got to show that in our life and in our faith. Are you being incredible in your life? Are you spending time and in, 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 in subverting what a Christian is from what people know about Christianity and society? Are you turning that on its head? Not because you have an agenda in mind, but because you're following Jesus. Are you living out the same way that Jesus had lived out his life? Are you preaching Christian values, Christian ethics on sexuality and standing up for it? You know, opposed to what society is saying. Are you standing up objectively, showing them truth that the Bible teaches that for us to follow in order to, to have these lasting and fulfilling and engaging relationships instead of a, the self-focus and, and, you know, and selfish way of seeing things, of saying, well, what I feel is king. That, that's not going to get you to that place of something incredible. Jesus has given us the blueprint to be incredible in our lives, both personally and both, you know, for our own self and and, in our own sanity, but also to to be an example to others. He's already given us a blueprint to be incredible. And people are waiting for something incredible. And, And I hope that that's something you get because, honestly, that's what we have in Christ. So that that's that's the the podcast that that's the 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 show. Um, I hope I hope you got some stuff out of it. The Incredibles is one of my favorite movies. Maybe we'll do the sequel here in the next couple of weeks. I do want to pivot and, and do some other things that we'll talk about and some upcoming shows. Um, I'm excited. You know, I, I want to try to get these out more and more. But but a, you know, I, I want to do more research. I don't want it just to be again like your average kind of movie review. I want some depth to it. Uh, again, in, in these show notes that to tie some some links to books and things that you can read. I want it accessible enough that you don't have to have a lot of Bible knowledge, but also deep enough that to drive you into, um, if you want to geek out on theology uh, and, 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 and biblical teaching, that there's something for you too as well. So hopefully you, you got something out of this. And if you haven't seen the movie, please go back and watch the movie. It's great. And, and, and come back and listen to this, and this could be a great companion to help you through and walk you through um, seeing the the you know, um, God in, in, in all of it, uh, in his teachings. So, uh, but with that, you know, if you want to find out more about, uh, my ministry, you can click on the social links down below. You can check out lessons and sermons and creative material to help your, your work walk with God. Thanks again for joining me for movie ministry and listening wherever you're at home. And now it could be out at work as things are changing. And from what the CDC has released, you know, um, a while back here, um, or school or commuting, wherever it is. I hope you stick around and continue to support us by telling everybody. Thank you. <laughs>